This is a uh, exciting message to speak to you guys about, but it's also one that's difficult for me because I feel like that over the last 10 years, I've had a lot invested in this lesson. You guys see the name, right? I Heart Trials. Um, If you have the gift of faith, something amazing happens. Uh, Difficulties in your life can become precious jewels that you never want to get rid of. Sometimes you can go through hardship that's so intense, it has such a profound effect on you that you go to embrace it and you grow to passionately love what it's done in your life. And that's what James talks about. I'm going to read this. I'm just going to start off. I'm going to get right into it. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersions. Greeting. Make sure you understand who this is. James is the brother of Jesus. And James writes this to Jewish people who have been scattered all around the world. They're not in Jerusalem. This is during, during what we call the diaspora. They have been scattered around. They're not centralized. And he writes, this, he writes this book, and it becomes viral without Google, surprisingly. Without those beautifully, wonderfully encouraging chain emails that we all love. You know the ones that say forward, 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 backslash, forward, something political, blah, blah, blah. Read this, you'll really love it. And then you go down and there's like 127 rows of little arrows where people have forwarded on and on. It just, that's not how this became viral. This became viral because it created such a stir in the early church. It's written to Jews during the diaspora. They didn't have the temple. And this started going all over the place. And then he says something very interesting. <clears throat> he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or stability. And let stability have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, guys, when he says count it all joy, it doesn't mean just kind of get through it. You hear the command that James is giving us here? He says, when you go through difficulties, you should be excited about the opportunity. Does that make sense to us? Trial equals joy? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. But let him ask in faith with no doubting For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he would receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, (coughs) unstable in all his ways. You notice the contrast. Count it all joy when you go through trials because it produces stability. And if you lack wisdom, ask of God, but don't ask without faith because that type of person is what? Unstable. There are two types of people that James is describing here. Ones who are stable and ones who are unstable. Ones who have wisdom and ones who don't. And ones who get wisdom by faith and ones who don't 
the ones who don't have faith to ask for it. So the first point is, hardship equals joy. Trouble, testing of your faith, steadfastness or stability, making you complete, lacking nothing. Even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of loss, which I think I have a little street cred on, you can be in a situation where you're lacking nothing. It's a chance to test God. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces stability, and the stability has its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Too many times as Christians, we're looking for a life that flows. We're looking for a life that we're comfortable from the way we worship to where we worship to the time we worship to the seat we worship in to where we go after we worship to how we respond to it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then comes worship again. And we get in this rut, this routine, this pattern where our main goal is to avoid trial, to avoid discomfort, to avoid these things that could cause a disruption in our pattern of life. And we begin to grow with a little bit of a disdain for the things that might challenge us. But that's the opposite of what James says we should do. It's almost as if, it's almost as if James says you should look for these things in your life. He doesn't say be somewhat happy. He doesn't say you should like it a little bit. He says count it all joy. You know what that phrase means? You know what the original language means? It means every ounce of possible joy you can imagine. Consider that to be coming from the source, which is trials. Then the next part, edge of his seat. This describes God. Look at this passage. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. So here's what's going on, right? He says, count it all joy when you go through various trials and tribulations, because those things, when they go through, when you go through them, they produce stability. And in that stability, it makes you complete, lacking nothing. But then he goes on in the next verse, he says, now understand something, you cannot get through those trials unless you have wisdom. You have, guys, if you go through trials without wisdom, it's a disaster. As a matter of fact, I did say to you that wisdom does not apply itself when life is easy. Any idiot can have a life that's easy. Am I right? But when life gets difficult, that's when you need wisdom. And here's what God says. Here's what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously. Let me describe to you what that Greek word generously means. It means God is like this. He's up there. He's sovereign, right? He's in control. He knows about the trials that are in our life. He knows that before they even come, the scripture makes that very clear all throughout. There is no debate that God knows what's going to happen. He is never surprised. Wow, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) That's never a word that comes out of God's mouth. 
And he sits there, and he sees us coming onto this trial, and he sees it coming on our life, and he says, I'm just ready right here. I'm gonna, I can't wait to pour out some wisdom so they can get through it, man, because I know the faith that I've given them. Can... And then when we say, God, can I have wisdom? He's excited. He gets off the edge of his seat, and he just pours it, and he gives it to us freely, liberally, generously, over and abundant of what we need. And he's sitting right there on the edge of his seat. He says, I just can't, man... God, can I have wisdom? Yes, you can have it. Of course you can. You guys understand? That's how excited God is to give us the wisdom that we need in the midst of a trial or a tribulation or a hardship. He's sitting right there on the edge of his seat. I know they're hurting. I know they're going through a difficult time. But if they'll just have enough faith to ask me for the wisdom, I'm going to inundate. I'm going to flood them. I'm going to bury them in wisdom. And when we get buried in the wisdom that God gives from faith, the trial becomes a jewel. Does not Proverbs talk about wisdom being a precious jewel? And in the midst of a trial, if you're going through it and you don't have the understanding to recognize that God is on the edge of his seat in the throne of heaven, just ready to douse you with the wisdom you need to get through, what does the scripture say happens? We're all over the place. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea and is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable. I have a friend of mine who's a pastor. And uh, we were talking about... Okay, I'm just going to... Don't get mad at me, but, you know, sometimes as pastors we talk about some of the people that are in our congregation. (laughs) Anonymously, of course, right? This person here, let's call him person A. (laughs) But he was sharing with me how he has a different ringer for certain types of people. Of course, you couldn't do that in the 60s, right? Nobody had cell phones. But now we have cell phones, Androids and Apple iPhones and stuff. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's some people I just know. I have a life, and I know that sometimes if I pick up the phone with certain people, I'm going to have about two hours gone. I said, what ringer is it? He goes, it goes something like this. <clears throat> right? The circus theme. <clears throat> I just laugh. I laughed for like five minutes. It was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. I want you to know that I don't have those type of ringers. <laughs> I'm up here. He's down there. I have one ringer. It's Do You Believe in Love? Huey Lewis. Right? That's a good one. But he has a separate ringer for some of these people. Because, guys, you've got to understand, <clears throat> if a person of faith goes through a trial, that trial, in a strange way, can bring comfort and joy. But a person that lacks faith is thrown into despair, agony, self-seeking, and they're miserably unstable right? There are two types of unstable people, I think. First of all, there's the weak-minded Christian who never seems to ask for wisdom. He never cashes in. 
and he's an emotional basket case. He may very well be a child of God, but for some reason, there's something in his life that is not allowing him to recognize the incredible power of the gift of faith that God has given him. It could be sin. It could be dysfunctionality. I don't know what it... I mean, it could be a many number of things. But I think there are some people who are Christians who are so young in their faith, so early in their faith, or maybe it's maybe sometimes it's not even a time issue because I've seen brand new Christians with incredible wisdom. It's really not a time issue. You understand that. So when we talk about babes in Christ, sometimes we think about it as being chronological. It's not chronological. It's a matter of application. So there are some young Christians, I think, or some, some immature Christians who are immature in their faith and in their process. Some of them have been Christians for decades. And they never seem to grasp the concept that there's a loving, heavenly dad who sits on the edge of his seat just ready to douse them with wisdom in the midst of their trial so that that trial can become a blessing. And they're basket cases. They're all over the place. Then there's the other type of unstable person. It's the hypocrite. So one who says he has faith, but has no faith. They go through severe trial, and instead of having a joyous attitude, an understanding mind, and a submissive will, and a believing heart, they vacillate, and they flip-flop. They are emotional basket cases, and they can't trust God. I would submit to you that that person has no faith. Oh, they might have faith, but it's a dead faith. And James talks about that later. He talks about faith without works being dead. And so you have these people who have these opportunities to go through trials, these chances to prove that God's faith is good, and they don't have the faith enough to ask for the wisdom. And the scripture says, don't assume you're going to get anything. Dipsukos. The D-I at the beginning means two. The sukos means soul. Two-souled. In James 4, we're going to talk about this a couple months from now. Friends, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Loving the world and trying to love God at the same time, God says it's impossible to do that. You see, what happens is when you're in love with the world, you hate trial. See what I'm saying? You, you can't be in love with what the comforts of this world are and love trials at the same time. Does that make sense? Because see, when you're going through trials, it disrupts the comfort of the world. And so what begins to happen is you love comfort, hate discomfort. And you're at enmity with God. Because James says you should count it great joy when you go through trials. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 God is not the author of confusion. And that's what I see in people who have an unstable life. Look, it doesn't mean that your life never has any problems. That's the opposite of what I'm trying to say. James says you're going to go through really bad stuff. You're going to go through difficult trials and testings and tribulations and hardships. And when it happens, you should be really, really glad. How many of y'all are really buying into that right now? I mean, that sounds good, preacher. 
I'm just going to take a few minutes now to share with you guys a little bit about some stuff that's happened in my life in the last, let's say, 10 years. And as I share these, I'm not trying to share these in a way that glorifies me because we understand that faith is what? It's a gift. Faith is a result of God, not you. I'm not, I don't have faith because I was so smart to recognize that I needed it. I have faith because God reached down in the muck, in the mire, while I was in darkness, enlightened me, quickened me, according to Ephesians, made me alive, and lifted me up to seat me with God in heavenly places. So in the last 10 years, and I was thinking through this, and as the band was playing that last song, I couldn't help but having some tears come to my eyes just thinking through it, the joy. I've been a youth pastor for 25 years. I've been fired three times. I haven't always been the epitome of polish you see before you today. <clears throat> and each time I'm trying to serve God the best I know how, trying to reach out to kids, and sometimes it's of my own fault, sometimes it's not, but all of a sudden my family is thrust into financial distress. We have roots, and now I have to pull my family up out by the roots and move to another city. And when you go there, you understand a youth pastor is not the, the most stable job in America. About 14 months is the average. And I've been fortunate, you know, most of my stays were longer than that. But every time it happened, it hurt. And you guys know the story about my daughter a few years ago. I'm in the midst of serving God, doing ministry. And according to the song we just sang, you give and take away, but my heart will still choose to say, blessed be your name. And that was a difficult trial for me in my life. It devastated me. My faith didn't make the pain any less. And here's something wild. Three months after my daughter died, I was fired. That sucked. You understand what I'm saying? That really hurt. So we come down to Sarasota. We start a really cool ministry. Things are going good on the outside, but on the inside, we were in financial trouble. We were doing everything we could to make sure that my wife and I kept the ministry going because we believed in it. And it caused strain in our marriage, it caused strain in our finances. We were hurting. That was trial. We were still grieving. I'm still trying to figure out, okay, this is the third time I've been fired. Am I even supposed to be in ministry? I'm going through some trials and some difficulties, right? I can look back now and I can tell you. I'm glad for every one of them. Guys, I wouldn't trade those difficulties for any comfort in the world. You know why? Because each time, my heart went right to one place. Okay, Dad, I need wisdom. I need discernment. I need guidance. I need understanding. I need direction. And throughout all of it, 
God gave my wife and I and my son and my family a stability that we should have never had. Money, jobs, losing children. I never doubted my faith. I never doubted God. As a matter of fact, I saw God work in my heart and life in such amazing ways. Even to this little point, right? Get this. This is a little story. We're in the process of deciding whether or not we're supposed to come back to Sarasota. You know, I've already lost a job in New York, and, you know, we're still grieving from, from losing our daughter, and, you know, we don't know what's going on in our life. And we're sitting down with some friends, and we're talking about what we should do, and we had Chinese food. And we said, I think we're going to come back, and we're going to start this ministry. And my wife opens up her fortune cookie. You know what it says? It says, you're about to move to the land of sunshine. I'm not kidding you. Right? True story. True story. See, God is an amazing God. He speaks to us in many ways. And what we have to recognize that James says is this, right? No matter what you're going through, it's not an excuse for instability if you have faith. See, if you're a child of God, God doesn't give bad faith. God doesn't give the gift of faith that is, well, he gave me one, but i got to return this one. It's not working right. There's some wires loose or something. I don't know. That's not the way God operates, guys. If you have a life that has trials that result in hardship and you still have stability, you should be encouraged. That's why James says, count it great joy, because the testing of your faith is producing stability. And stability makes you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I had no job, no money. We lost a daughter. I was lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. And it's not because, again, it's not because I'm such a, you know, spiritual giant. Those of you that know me well enough know I've got plenty of problems. I'm just as dysfunctional as the next guy. But faith has given me a stability in my life. And every time a trial takes place, all it does is affirm that God has saved me. But if your life is unstable, I don't care what the trial is. I feel like I can put mine up against most people. If your life is unstable, you may not have faith. Don't get mad at me. That's what the scripture says. If any man lacks faith, let him ask of God. Let him ask, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. But if he lacks faith, don't suppose he should receive anything from the Lord. So that's how this is going to go the next few weeks. We're going to look at what James says, and I'm going to ask you guys, okay, what's your faith look like? Today, it's stability. <clears throat> when a trial happens in your life, are you a circus? Or does faith give you stability? <clears throat> See, <clears throat> I do believe that we can have objective measurements of what God is doing in our life that give us affirmation of where we are spiritually. Stability is definitely one of them. 